Well, you are listening to Skyfire Radio from our offices in Atlanta, Georgia. I am your host, Matt Sloan. And I'm also your host, Ben Kroll. So today's topic of discussion is the Skyfire method. So how we as a company approach starting a drone program for a fire department or a police department around the country. Uh, one of the things that I think we're most proud of here at Skyfire is the fact that we don't just sell equipment. We don't just do training. Uh, we don't just do consulting, but we do all of it in one place. And we can even help you get your program paid for. Uh, through the help of our grant uh, experts at Dynamic uh, Protection International, so Ben, what do you say? Uh, what, what do you think sets the Skyfire method apart? What does that What does that phrase mean to you? Uh, well, that that's a good question. I think uh, you know. I think you kind of nailed it when you said you know it's it's all encompassing for us. You know, we look at an agency or a department uh, getting uh, all of the facets they need for uh, a comprehensive program that really meets their needs. You know, we've seen it a lot. Where you have a department that uh, maybe you've got one department that does a whole lot of search and rescue, and another department uh, maybe even close to them that doesn't do a whole lot of search and rescue. So, uh, tailoring the program, I think, to really a department's needs and uh, you know their missions and their use cases. And so, uh, what that requires is you know kind of some uh, I think uh, investigation there and really figuring out what does an agency, what does a department need. Um, in all of those aspects. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. And I think, you know, one of the one of the things that's so cool about um, the way we've set up our program, I think, is that we don't just recommend DJI products, although that's certainly a lot of what we do because that's what a lot of people want. Um, but we also don't recommend one specific product even within the DJI line. So, you know, I, mean, I think it's become very clear over the couple of years that we've been doing this that it's pretty difficult to have one drone that's the right tool for every job. I mean, there's some that are better for carrying payloads, and that may be what a department needs. Uh, some are better for thermal imaging. Some are better for long flight time. Uh, some departments might even want a fixed wing. You know, if they have a lot, if they need to go a long distance on on you know a short short battery life. So, uh, Ben, how do you um, how do you approach somebody when they come to you and they say, "My department's told me you've got to start a drone program. I don't know anything about drones. Where do we where do we begin?" Yeah, uh, I think the the best place to begin is to figure out exactly how you're going to be using the drone. And a lot of times, sometimes that's a difficult question um, to be able to answer. So what we like to do is actually pull in um, some resources from other departments that have uh, been successfully deploying uh, UAS uh, for their agencies. And a lot of times that will kind of kickstart, you know, someone from an agency that's asking that question as far as, all right, what, what exactly can we use this for? What makes sense? Um, what, what doesn't make sense? So we kind of like, I think, like to answer all those questions first to say, what exactly will we be using this for? Because we can't answer any of the other questions, like what kind of equipment to get and uh, what kind of training do we get and how do we get certified um, without answering that simple question, what are we going to be using uh, our UAS for? Yeah, and one of the things uh, you know we've heard over and over again from our friend Ben Miller over at Dragonfly is, you know, if this doesn't add to your mission, then it may not be something you want to do. So I think that's something you have to consider quite a bit is, you know, is this going to be a, a force multiplier? Um, is this going to give us new capabilities? Uh, is this more or less expensive than what we were doing before? And are we just fine with it? I mean, don't buy a drone for the sake of buying a drone or starting a drone program. You really have to have identified the mission and make sure that it's going to really add to your capabilities. I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. And then just kind of adding on to that, you know, you're, you're at, we're talking a, on a whole here about 
uh, you know, the Skyfire method. I think that kind of leads us directly then into training and, and what does training look like for an agency and uh, what kind of training should they get and, and what should it be like? Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of standard out there right now for UAS training. Uh, I think that we've seen, I think we've seen a lot of uh, the the way that we look at manned aircraft try to uh, be applied to UAS operations. And the, the problem is, is it's not cookie cutter. It doesn't fit right. And one of the challenges is, you know, developing that some of this training, you know, from the ground up. So we talk about the Skyfire method, and I think a part of that is uh, having uh, safe, efficient, um, smart uh, training classes that people can go to where they can learn everything from what does it take to get certified to the rules that they'll be operating under to uh, the different equipment that's available to the, to the technology that's coming available that we're looking at down the road. Um, all the way down from from that, all the way down to uh, actually flying uh, the aircraft and 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 flying the aircraft that they're actually going to be flying in the field. So um, I think that's as important to the Skyfire method as anything else. Yeah, well, and I think this is something we talk about a lot. Um, we've talked about in other podcasts too. Is that there is you know there's some some debate about whether COAs or Part 107 uh, is the right framework to operate under. And the reason I bring that up now is because. Part 107 has a very specific curriculum, right? So you you know you study these specific things: um, UAV safety, airspace, weather, um, decision making, and, and and medical factors that contribute to your ability to fly. And then you go take a written test, but uh, that doesn't really prepare you at all for flying a drone. And so I think even if your you know your department is looking at operating under Part 107, um, just taking that test isn't really enough. Um, so sort of what Ben was hitting on too. I'm looking at a presentation that we often give to our our clients about what a good training program should include. And I have a list of 20 things here. So, um, you know, crew resource management, how do you take advantage of all the resources that you have? Um, what is it like to operate around airports and, and communicating with airports, uh, understanding traffic patterns and things like that? Uh, basic operation maintenance of a drone, um, abnormal operations, and that's certainly something you need to know about. In-flight emergencies, uh, you're actually required to know those things under a, a certificate of authorization. Uh, communicating back and forth between you and the visual visual observer, um, basic understanding of the requirements of either ACOA or Part 107, uh, managing your flight data and reporting it out, developing the right policies and procedures, um, you know, data retention, particularly in law enforcement, but also in fire investigation and certain other places where you may end up in court defending that data, uh, and also your state and local laws, all of those things are not covered under, you know, a traditional Part 107 course. And so I think if you're looking to do a training program that will fit your needs as a public safety agency, you have to make sure that it has all of those things in it. And uh, and I think a lot of a lot of other courses out there don't. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I just think that this is probably, you know, one of the, the biggest components of this. We, um, you know, we've been talking about this a lot lately uh, and, and kind of what it means uh, to be properly trained and uh, I'll relay a, a quick story about um, something that, that we heard about here recently about an agency that was flying uh, one of their uh, UAS and uh, they were asked, um, this was a, an agency within uh, a county and they were asked to assist their local fire department with um, on a search and they went out there and flew the drone, and were obviously probably under a significant amount of pressure, these pilots flying in a scenario that they actually hadn't flown in before, and the drone uh, was running low on battery and told them that it needed to return home. Well, they kept canceling that, and eventually the drone decided that it didn't have enough battery left, so it tried to return home and landed in the water and sank, 
And the call that we got was, um, you know, hey, Ben, something's wrong with our drone. And the, the drone actually did exactly what it was supposed to. And had they been properly trained on uh, how that drone responds in that scenario, uh, they, they actually wouldn't have lost the drone. And, and one of the things that, that we had a discussion about after that was, and this is not to, you know, disparage anyone. Um, there, you know, there's a lot of this out there and, we, you know, just a lot of um, not knowing about this stuff. But one of the things that we talked about was that was actually a good thing because that situation could have ended up turning out a lot worse for, um, for several people. So the, the, the best thing that happened was they just lost the drone. Now they can go back, get training, be able to understand, you know, when when the drone, you know, runs low on battery, what it's going to do. And that simple understanding there can save uh, time, equipment, um, you know, and potentially, uh, you know, prevent injury uh, or harm to, to someone. So, yeah, I, I think that's absolutely critical. I mean, you know, we all the time are answering this question. Well, what does it cost to get a drone? How much does a drone cost? And I think people have to think beyond that, too. And I, I don't say that as somebody who's trying to sell services. I say that as. You know, everybody that you talk to, no matter whether they come through us or they start a program on their own, there is a lot of time and effort involved in this, and it's not to be taken lightly. Um, you know, the drone can be as little as $500 or $1,000, um, but it's everything else that goes along with it. So if you are going to go take the Part 107 test, it costs 150 bucks a person. Um, if you are going to work on a COA, uh, there's no cost if you do it yourself to go, to go through the COA process, but it could take you... 40 or 50 hours of, of somebody's overtime that the department hasn't accounted for. Um, training could be eight to 16 to, you know, 40 hours, depending on what you do. Um, and you have to account for that, you know, for that cost. And then you have maintenance costs and batteries go bad and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I think taking all of that into account from the, from the get go is, is important and not trying to, uh, shortchange your program. And, and for that matter, shortchange your citizens by not doing the appropriate training and ended up, uh, you know, getting somebody, either in trouble or hurt. Um, and so that's why we preach, um, you know, doing it above board and the right way and getting certified in some way or another. Um, and, uh, and, and making sure that, that everything you're doing is, is done the correct way because ultimately you're responsible for the safety of the public. And, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of on you to, to do this the right way. So, um, I cringe a little bit when people come and say like, Oh, we have a $2,500 budget to start our drone program. Uh, not because, uh, you know, I want to get that big, you know, 40 or $50,000 paycheck, but you know, because it's just really not enough. I mean, buying a drone is not starting a drone program. That's buying a drone. So I I think, you know, you and I, Ben talk a lot about what it means to start a drone program. Um, You know, that's what we specialize in at Skyfire is starting drone programs for departments. Um, You know, I, I, I think there's, there's a little bit of a, a stigma uh, or people think that you know skyfire as a as an agency has a problem with part 107 i would say that's absolutely not the case part 107 actually allows us to operate as a company i think it's a very important uh piece of legislation here but i think that when you look at that from a fire department or a police department standpoint um you know you're not talking about necessarily starting a drone program by having somebody do part 107 yeah you've got essentially at that point you've got a part 107 operator and a drone which, in, in my estimation, does not actually constitute a drone or a UAS program. Um, you talk about a UAS program being comprehensive. It includes all those parts we talked about. It includes certification at some level. Um, it includes the, the, the comprehensive training, uh, and it includes the right equipment for the job. And uh, that's all um, you know, obtained and procured by an agency. And if you've just got someone with a 107 and you've got a drone, well, that's what you have, essentially. 
Um, but I, I think that we certainly feel that the most you know professional way for an agency to operate uh, with a UAS program is is under a, a COA, which um, exists for the entire agency, which is an authorization that anyone who is trained by the department can operate under, and doesn't require someone to go outside of the agency to uh, go get an, a specific FAA license that then they're required to operate under while operating under 107. It also has uh, essentially, the, the, the COA system will allow you greater operational authority over um, 107. And I know we've talked about this a lot in the past, um, but just kind of as a, a, a recap here um, and then kind of to put a bow on, on this stuff here. Yeah, no, and, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, again, just to recap, because I know we will get comments about this. We're not against 107, but you can't just do 107. I think that's what we keep coming back to is you can pass that test. Um, that doesn't actually mean you know how to fly a drone. So if you are going to operate under the 107 umbrella, it's important that you do training, that you have an operations manual, that you maintain records. All of those things you're forced to do with a COA. Um, you're not under 107, and so it's important that if you are going to operate under that, yeah. um, under that umbrella that you have all of those things. Um, frankly, when you get to the point of certifying 10 people under Part 107, you're probably going to end up spending less money to do a COA than you will to go have 10 people take a test that costs That's right, and, bucks. and potentially, you know, you could get that faster. Maybe you can get your one of sevens faster. That's that's one of the, um, you know, advantages to it is that you just do that studying for the one of seven and and get that. But ultimately, um, yeah, I think that the you know the COA uh, is definitely the um, more comprehensive way to go for an agency. Yeah, and and that's you bring up an, an interesting point there. So you you do get one of seven faster. That definitely happens more quickly. Um, there's nothing wrong with starting with 107 either. I mean, and, I, and I will say we we've worked with a lot of people who that's all they operate under is 107. Um, but they're very clear about we have a 107 drone operator that helps us out on scene from time to time. It's not a full UAS program. Yeah, absolutely. And then and then once you you know you can get started with that one operator, um, and then the hope is you know as you progress down the line you start to build a program that's more and more definitive as you go along, and that would be. Uh, that would mean getting a co-op. So um, uh, that's, I think, enough on that. I think we've yeah. done a, we've done a whole episode on that, and we could certainly yeah. do two well, or three more. Well, why don't we recap here um, the, the Skyfire method? I would say that it involves um, kind of these these things here, which are um, selecting the right equipment for the mission that your agency conducts, or multiple missions. And sometimes it's a couple different aircraft. Sometimes it's one aircraft. Um, but that, that's kind of, I think, the, the first and, and probably most important piece to the whole thing is getting that right so you can just figure out the right equipment. Um, the training, making sure that you've got good comprehensive ground and flight training and that your operators understand the limitations of the aircraft as well as uh, limitations that are within the regulations. And then the third thing uh, would be the um, uh, getting the actual certification itself, the COA, the Part 107. Um, but picking, but making sure you're getting the right and going down the right certification route. I, w- I would say that that's probably the kind of the three main tenets of the Skyfire method. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that. And uh, you know, one other point that I just want to make too, and we're actually going to do a whole separate episode on uh, on picking the right equipment and finding the right equipment for your for your mission. Uh, but uh, just one quick point on that is that more expensive isn't necessarily better. Um, and I just wanted to make that, that point here. I mean, there are lots of great drones out there that are, um, you know, military spec and, and hardened and things like that uh, that may or may not do uh, all the things that you need them to do. 
and uh, just because you know something costs a whole lot of money doesn't mean it's going to be better and you may actually uh, be able to get five or six drones uh, and have a bigger program if you if you go with some less expensive equipment uh, and and obviously we'll talk a lot more about that uh, in, the, in the equipment episode but just something I wanted to bring up as I was starting to think about it so that's what we mean by helping you select the right equipment we'll give you all the options uh, you know, from the the cheapest DJI product all the way up through the area on Sky Ranger, and you know, some some even more expensive than that, uh, and give you those options, uh, and then you kind of have to you know strike that right balance of cost versus you know mission and and payloads and all that kind of stuff. So we'll help you we'll help you navigate that. So, uh, Ben, any more thoughts uh, before we let our our uh, listeners go this week? No, I think the the only thing that I wanted to just add here was that Matt and I are always willing to talk to anyone about any of this. Um, get on the phone, exchange emails if you have quite even if you've just got some questions. Uh, I'd like to reiterate that there are no stupid questions with this. There really aren't. It's all new. We're all kind of figuring this out as we go along here. So um, I'm happy to share my email and I'm happy to answer any questions. And it's Ben at uh, I'm sorry Ben at SkyfireConsulting.com. Um, please feel free to contact me through there. Yeah, and as I always like to tell people, we don't charge you unless you buy something. So we will talk to you all day long about this stuff and. Uh, that's why we're doing the podcast, so that we can answer a lot of these questions for you guys without having to, uh, to give us a call. And, and I think just the last thing here, Matt, is that you kind of hit on the head there. I think what's really, really important to us is um, every day now we're, we're starting to hear more and more stories about um, uh, agencies and departments that uh, we've helped, some we haven't. But ultimately, we're seeing the UAS uh, being deployed in communities and used for really, really good things. And I think that that, for Matt and I, I think that's just, I mean, that's it for us. That's that's um, that's certainly why Matt started this. That's why I came aboard, um, and uh, that that to me is the most thrilling part of this is that when we're seeing communities um, that are you know um, being uh, helped and served by um, the deployment of UAS programs. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and we're trying to highlight as many of those stories as we can on our uh, on our Facebook and other social media pages and on our website so uh well this will do it for this week of uh skyfire radio we wanted to thank you guys for joining us uh we'll be back next week with some more fantastic information and can i uh, can i add one more please thing? yeah go ahead i'm really sorry i know you're just about to wrap it up i did want to say on that um dusty burge over at uav recon we just wanted to give a shout out to because uh, we saw him out in akron county colorado yesterday uh, really doing a service to the firefighters out there and helping them identify hot spots on a raging um, 